Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. How many of you have enjoyed that video? That's been so good through this entire series. It's been great. To dive into the scripture here in just a moment, but I did want to say uh, just thank you to our team this morning, doing such a great job. Uh, Dave and Marina, phenomenal job. Great job with your giving message this morning. Uh, having them kind of pour out. I know sometimes we get locked into a script, but you know, the real value of what's said there is the people that are delivering the message. And so many good points, but those are points that are uh, active in their lives. And so we appreciate them being up here to share. Uh, also wanted to welcome the Falcons to the worship team. And uh, they have experience with worship teams, but great job. The nice thing about having Jaron involved here on the platform is finally I felt out of sorts physically. You know, being the hulking, the hulking physique that I have to be the only one, but now finally to share that with someone so that it's not just me who's up here who uh, rip neck and all that kind of stuff. Finally. Okay, scripture. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 18 through 19 says, Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. I love this scripture. You know, David was experiencing a two steps backward position in his life at this moment. He had just been crowned as king, and yet when the enemies of the kingdom of Israel heard that he had been crowned king, they decided they were going to attack him in his infancy, much like they did to Jesus while he was a newborn, and Herod sent out, the, sent out his messengers to kill all the boys under age two. The enemy is so good about attacking things before they really take on traction. And so they gathered in the valley of Rephaim to cut his kingship before it even got started. Now, Rephaim is historic because that is the land of the giants, the land of what is known as the terrible ones in Scripture. So this valley is filled with lore. It's also filled with superstition and symbolism and reality mixed into this moment, right? There's an army out there ready to take his life, and there's a lot of history that backs up the fearful aspects of this two-step backward valley. It was a moment of physical and psychological challenge, but I love what David did. David, the Bible says here, he inquired of the Lord. Amen? David inquired of the Lord. It took precedence over inquiring from anyone else. He did gather his advisors together, but to do the same. Let's inquire of the Lord. And in the process, God answered, and his next steps from his two steps backward were revealed, and David was able to step forward, take ground with traction, and to win, something that he did regularly throughout his life and throughout his ministry. So this morning, I've entitled this Heaven's GPS, and my hope is for you, if you're stuck right now in two steps backwards, here in the room, at home, whoever's listening to this, if you're stuck in two steps backwards, right now this message will be very helpful, hopefully for you, where you stand. But I'm also hoping that you will stick this into the arsenal of who you are as a believer, having an understanding that there is something available to you in the moment that you are 
two steps backwards. So let's pray over our own ears, our own hearts, so we can receive. Father, I thank you so much this morning for your word. I thank you for the revelation of this truth. God, I pray that you will inspire your people, that they're not just left to their own resources, good ideas, whatever is available to, to maybe take steps forward. But God, we have all of heaven available to us. And there's ultimately a roadmap that you'll provide as we inquire of you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Teach us to be great people locked into heaven's GPS. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 I've discovered as a believer that God has a way of getting you the information that you need. He really does. I mean, again, as an unbeliever, I'm left to whatever I can muster up in my knowledge, my friendships, my research. I can only try to try to wrestle my way to my next steps. But in a relationship with God, all of heaven is available. The Holy Spirit, who is the revealer of truth, is living within our lives, in our bodies, literally, the Bible says. And he is able to lead us and guide us to all things that we don't even know. And it functions much like a heavenly GPS that's available to us. And so God is able to reveal to us three different ways uh, his next steps that he has for us. Uh, the first one I want to point out is God is actually able to speak to believers, even unbelievers, through dreams and visions. That's pretty profound. In the book of Genesis 37, Joseph had a dream, two dreams in fact, about his future. And God was downloading information about his steps forward because someday he would rise to save his family and also rise to save a nation. And God wanted to give him those coordinates, so he did it by form of dream. Why a dream? Well, usually our lives are so busy and we're processing so much and we're trying to work it all out that God actually downloaded a dream when he was quiet, when he was not engaged, and gave him the information he needed. Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, who was an ungodly king, but he dreamt about his kingdom's future. God was able to download those GPS coordinates into his soul, and of course, the prophet came along to bring the interpretation to where those coordinates led to. Acts chapter 10, New Testament's fascinating. We've got Peter who is up on the top of a rooftop at dinner time. And God is trying to reveal to him that the next steps forward for the kingdom of God are not just locked into the nation of Israel, but all, all, all us pagans, all of us Gentiles would actually be recipients of God's very best life as well. That God had a chosen people, not just limited to the people uh, uh, born unto the promise of Abraham, but there was a greater promise through Christ that even the Gentiles would be called sons and daughters. And so while they're on the top of that building in the sunshine waiting for dinner to be served, he was entranced. In other words, he just was fixated on this imagery that came before him, not conjured up by him. He saw a vision. The vision was very pictorial and symbolic, and it required some interpretation as most prophecies do, as most dreams, most visions do. But God was able to download instructions for the future, which allowed, as you watch Peter's life, to take steps forward that led to you and I being Christians today. And so God still is able to give dreams and visions. We know that. We see that in Scripture. I want you to know, however, that of the three, this will be the most rare. In fact, for most people, this happens maybe once or twice in a lifetime. Now, it would be great if every night we had a dream, and if you eat enough pizza at about 9 o'clock, you will. But the symbolism of Frankenstein chasing you through the woods while you're naked really has no spiritual application, okay? It's just you and your body working overtime when you should be sleeping. 
Um, for me, I've had a one vision in my entire lifetime, unexpected, in a prayer meeting, and boom, the imagery that came before me uh, was Christ, all-consuming, and then it was gone. And it took me about 10 years to even interpret what that vision meant. And ultimately, God was saying to me, Steve, stop worrying about everything. Seek me. It was Jesus in front of me and his ultimate peace. And I can't even describe what I saw, but I saw it. And it was a quick glimpse of heaven, Christ in all of his glory. And he wanted me to know the things I was worried about don't matter. Seek his face. So one vision in my entire lifetime, okay? Now, I know others have had more, but I'm saying on occurrences, this is fairly rare. I've had one spiritual dream, maybe two. Uh, that one spiritual dream actually led Rowena and I to Vancouver. It's how we ended up pastoring here because all of the natural circumstances pointed in a different direction. But when I stepped on the front platform or the front steps of the church in Vancouver, though, again, all the circumstances pointing a different direction, it locked in with a dream I had been given a year before, and we knew what we were supposed to do. The coordinates were downloaded, right? And they were revealed at that point in time. How many of you have ever had a spiritual dream or a spiritual vision? I mean, I look around the room and just a few hands went up. Those of you at home could kind of talk about it. So this, this, you can't control this. You can't conjure this up. It'll either happen or it won't. Don't sweat it. It doesn't mean you're not spiritual. It means you're a human being, okay? Now, it could be that maybe you are able, you are more in tuned. You're actually praying and God's able to speak to you some other ways. Number two, God is able to speak through prophecy or spoken revelation. Especially in the New Testament, we see supernatural gifts like the gift of prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Even encouragement from spiritual leaders is a form of God helping to guide you forwards. And those spoken words come through God's people. These are people who seek God. These are people who step into an atmosphere wanting to be used by God. Josh, great, great opening. Uh, welcome this morning. And the Bible says... They're clapping for you, Josh. Josh, what I love about it says it says it, to gather together. And as you do so, seeking to encourage one another. Too many people see our church gathering, not ours, but other church gatherings, as being a passive, I'm going to come and give me what you got, and I'll take home in my shopping cart what applies to me. And they don't see themselves as having an active role. But every time you step into the house of God as a true believer, you're stepping in with a word in your mouth to push someone's life forwards. It's a great service if you succeed in your ministry. You should be praying in advance, Lord, whoever I run in today. Or maybe somebody's mind, their, their picture pops into your heart and mind throughout the week, and God begins to stir something up within you to give to them that encourages them in their parenting, in their ministry, in their difficult circumstances. Or, as we tell all of our speakers and all of our leaders who come behind this pulpit, don't just show up with information Lean forward and have a right here, right now word for someone in the room. And that happens, and we expect that to happen. Why? That's what the scripture that Josh said, uh, read means, that we need to gather, not just to hear the pastor preach, not just to hear the worship team sing, but so that you can be used by God to encourage someone forwards in the things of God. That's what makes a real church a real church. Not the American culture, spectators paying for their movie ticket, getting entertainment, right? That's something that's not biblical. Okay, so prophecy and spoken revelation is all over the place. Acts chapter 21, there was a man named Agabus. He walks over to Paul, takes a belt off, and wraps it around the hands of Paul and goes on to prophesy. If you go to Jerusalem, this is how they're going to lead you forward. And Paul said, I'm not only willing, but I desire to go. 
God was downloading GPS coordinates to give him confirmation what's within your heart, go ahead and do it. And that's how God will lead you as well. He will use the spoken word. He'll use other people. He will use a sermon. He will use a podcast. And that frequency will resonate in your heart, and you'll know, okay, I'm leaning in the right direction. Now, the final one, and this, let me say this, this is much more uh, occasional. I'll say for the average person, this happens probably once every few years, maybe even once a year. They get a word from God through someone else. How many of you have experienced a prophetic word or God has spoken through other people? Quite a few, quite a bit more of you. Now, here's the key. It's wonderful to get a word, but they're not like trophies that we put up on the case. They're actually marching orders that take us to destinations. Great you got a word. And I know you want another one, but are you doing the thing that God told you the last time? I say it with a smile. Okay. So um, third is actually the process of inquiring of the Lord, which I really want to lean into today because this is available to all of us, and you can actually control this flow. You can't control maybe somebody prophesying over you. You can't control a dream coming or a vision coming, but you can inquire of the Lord. And as we read at the beginning of our, our, our message, David was in a state two steps backwards where he needed direction. And the Bible is filled with all sorts of general instruction. Don't kill somebody. So no matter who you are or what you're going through, there's that urge to kill someone. That word applies to you, right? It's general application. It says, in fact, don't even think about killing someone, even though that's hard. It talks about, you know, love them. Okay, so, so that's a general word. But David was in the Valley of Rephaim and did not know, should I attack or not? Should I take this job or that one? Should I sell? Should I buy? Should I move? Should I stay? Should I take that opportunity that's being given to me? And you'll be hard-pressed to find those personal instructions in the Word of God. And so that sets off the opportunity for you and I, like David, to inquire of the Lord. It's more than praying for God to bless your decision. It's much more like waiting before God until you get the answer. Do you hear what I said? It's less like asking God to bless the actions you've decided to take, and it's more like standing, but not passively, actively waiting for God to bring the revelation of what the next steps are. It's Genesis 25, Rebecca inquiring of the Lord, why are these two twins within me warring with one another? And God answered her after a period of time. It's Samuel, the prophet, regularly inquiring of God for the nation, for the kings. It's Saul, who started off inquiring of the Lord, but then he sinned, and God began to refuse to listen to him and refused to answer when he inquired, so he turned to the witch of Endor to get his answer. And sometimes we get discouraged on waiting from God, and we begin to go to all sorts of other lesser sources. Don't do that. Ah, I had a gasp for air there. Um, David regularly inquired, he regularly inquired of the Lord. The godly kings of Judah inquired of the Lord. Elijah and Elisha inquired of the Lord. In fact, here's a fascinating scripture where Abraham inquires of the Lord about his future, and he actually gets an answer from God. He gets the word of the Lord. And this scripture comes out of Genesis chapter 13, or 15, verses 3 through 6. And it says, Abram said, Behold, and he's seeking God at this moment. He's been seeking God. He's older in life. He had the promise of a son, but did not receive a son. And so now he is inquiring of the Lord. And the Bible says, Behold, you have given me no offspring, 
and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. That's key. I don't want you to think that there is something more special about Abraham than you. You are the same type of son or daughter, highly favored, highly treasured. There are answers that God has that he wants to give to you. I know you feel like, well, I, I don't feel the anointing. I don't, I don't function the way some of, you know, I'm not Miss Trish or Pastor Rowena. They just get fired up and you can feel God. I don't really feel that. Listen, hear me. That's the lie of the enemy to cause you to shrink back from feeling like you even have access to the answers of God. But God answers him, and the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord is that specific, fresh, personally applicable now word that God will download to you. It comes in the form of a dream or vision. It comes in the form of the prophetic but it's also available as you inquire of the Lord. And Abraham got it. And he go, God goes on to explain to him, no, 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 you're two steps backwards right now, but don't just run over here. I'm going to fulfill my word. I'm going to give you a son. It's that rhema word. It's the now word. Getting a word from the Lord is a lot less like cracking open a fortune cookie and much more like an archaeological dig, an excavation, a finding a field, Narrowing into where the treasure is, unearthing it, digging it out carefully, discovering it, cleaning it off, interpreting it, seeing its value and being able to push it forward into your life. That's what inquiring the Lord looks like and might be a lost art in our world, but is not a lost art in this house. It's not a lost art of you. This is something you are. This is something you will be. This is something we're good at hearing from God. It's critical. Amen. This is actually an often time, uh, often occurring thing. It can be very seasonal. Our life functions in seasons, just like the world that God created. There's a mirror image. And so as the season changes, it's oftentimes important to lean in and be able to get a fresh word from God. And I want to talk to you about how to do that. Now, for, for me, this happens several times during the year, and it's it's... It's difficult to hear from God because the word of God is not being withheld from us. We're not being teased like a dog with a treat. It's the noise of our lives makes it impossible for us to dial into the frequency. The issue isn't on God's side. The issue truly is on ours. But I want to help you to be able to diminish the noise and get a word from God, okay? So I'm going to give you 10 things here that are um, ways that you can... Step forward in a season to be able to lock into heaven's signal, that divine GPS. Now, when I first started hunting, I discovered while I thought I was a man of the woods, I discovered I can get lost in a patch of woods about 20 by 20. It happened to me one time. I kept circling around. There was panic. The light, the sun was going down. I wasn't sure which direction the cars were. Everything was so thick. And thank God my buddies who were hunting with me came walking behind me. And I just, hey, yeah, yeah. We walked back to the cars together while I, the sweat began to dry on my layers down beneath. So I bought a piece of equipment way back then that was actually unusual. It was a GPS called a knee track. And I was able to pull it out turn it on. And this is back before they had 8 trillion satellites being launched every day. My GPS had to lock in onto four different sets of satellites. And it became difficult to use this. I'd pull it out because if there were trees blocking or there were clouds blocking or I was in a spot where it couldn't acquire all four signals, 
It was really difficult, but it was key for me to do it because I'd get out of my truck and I'd acquire the signal and I'd drop a, a crumb there so that if I, no matter where I was, I could make my way back to where I started. And then as I journeyed throughout the woods, I'd be able to look at this and sometimes I'm trying to figure out where are the satellites and it's a work to lock in, but once I locked in, oh, I've got to go this way to get back to my truck, okay? And that was just in my backyard, so... Um, <laughs> You're laughing at that, but the truth is, sometimes navigating through the every, every day with a confidence that I'm doing what God wants me to do. Ah, snap, you didn't know I was going to go there with that. Okay, so um, I throw myself under the bus, and then I reel you in under with, there with me, okay? So this is, this is a practice that I've engaged in probably my entire Christian walk. This is part of how I've lived in college. This is how Rowena and I have lived our lives. This is how we've stepped into the next day and next season that God has for us. And I want to help you to, to have the confidence that though it might be hard at first to get this GPS to acquire as you move into modern day, I mean, some of you have got bicycles that got GPS that lock into 45 satellites within a snap of a finger, and now you're a pro. Your kids have GPS on their phone. You're able to find your child hiding in the house when you play hide-and-go-seek <laughs> within a couple of feet because that's how GPS has advanced. And you can advance your GPS and still be faith, but it is much more heavenly led. So here's a couple things that I would recommend. Whether you're in a, series, a season of two steps backwards or you just need fresh direction from God, let me help you to lock in on heaven's signal. Number one, I'd recommend set aside an allotted time. It doesn't need to be three years, but it certainly can't be two days. You want to get serious answers from God, you got to set aside some time to be able to dial in. And I would highly recommend you do this when you see a season shifting. You get to the end of school and you're thinking about career. Mom and dad will have a lot of input. I'm going to tell you what, I love mom and dad. I am one but I would not live my life solely based on the marching orders of mom and dad. I had one of my daughters convinced she should go into the medical field and she doesn't even like to touch people. <laughs> That's the truth, right? And, and, you know, just, hey, smart, go make money. There was good input, but not heaven's input. Get a word for yourself. I don't care what age you're at. You're 15, 20, get a word from God. Let God stir up the passion within you. Set a lot of time, and this a lot of time is so that you can make this quest your primary focus, even though you still got to live life. You still got to go to work, still got to go to school, but functioning in the background of your heart and the operating software of who you are is this quest to find a specific treasure. Number two, I would recommend that when you do this, you partner with a small group of people, with your family, if you're married, specifically your spouse, maybe on an appropriate level, your kids, okay? And maybe that circle does need to spread out. Partner with your spiritual leaders. I can't say enough about this. I have spiritual leaders, people that when I'm trying to get answers from God, I'm not going to, way back then, maybe to my children, hey, help daddy find the will of God. You don't know the will of God? <laughs> go to my spiritual leaders and say, hey, I'm struggling with some things or I need some clarity. Will you pray with me? Good spiritual leaders will partner with you on this. And good spiritual leaders you can trust, they're not intimidated by your lack of direction. They can still help you to pray for direction, even if they as a leader maybe are going to be at a loss if you receive direction from God. Does that make sense? You get to choose your spiritual leaders. 
Every one of you has chosen to be here. And you probably have chosen in good times, but trust that leadership when you're two steps backwards as well. That's free. No charge right there. So many people will come to me and pray about, Pastor Steve, pray with me about mortgage. Pray with me about this. Pray with me about that. I'm thinking about buying new shoes. I need the will of God. Oh, by the way, we've already prayed about this major life change, and we didn't want to include you in it. And I'm like, really? We would love to be able to help you to pray. And your spiritual leaders, you want them to be engaged in that, and close spiritual friends, people in your world that will help you to not, they won't give you the answer. They'll help to Adjust your GPS. Hey, you're not picking up a signal because you've got it back here. Get it over here. I've noticed that you're talking really negatively. God's not going to be able to speak to you with such a negative attitude because your life will take the course of your mouth. You're, you're, you're just, my job sucks. Listen, God's never going to show you what the next step is until you're thankful for where you're at. And you're probably, if you feel like your job sucks, you're probably not going to get the revelation of your, your potty mouth by yourself. It's going to be somebody else that's going to bring that download. And, oh, that's going to be fun when they're cheering you on. Oh, great job on your offering message. Woohoo! you sang today. Hey, you got potty mouth. Stop it. What? Who are you to tell me stuff like that? Well, two days ago, I was your pastor. Maybe... You know, coaching is not just attaboy. Sometimes coaching is, hey, don't do that. I know you're an American, and who, who on this world can tell you anything? But I, in the Bible, Christ, Christians actually submit to spiritual leadership. doesn't mean that they do everything leaders say. It means they submit, like a horse allows itself to be guided. Oh, man, I'm running out of time. Maybe I got on a tangent, but that's okay. Okay, define your target. Okay, that's number three. In a, in a seeking of the Lord, you don't want to seek the Lord for all sorts of things. You need to dial into a target. Define that target. Lord, I'm seeking you for direction on my career. Not my career, my parenting, my, my investments. It's just too much. Be singular. So define that. Also, and this is key, and some of you are afraid to do this, but define your desires. Somewheres in who you are in choosing next steps Desire has to be active. Now, desire can be a half a notch off. It can, be, it can fade. It can get corrupted by discouragement. But you got to summon up, what do I really want? Because the Bible, it's a dance of God will give you the desires of your heart. And sometimes it's him placing the desire in your heart. And sometimes it's the desire racing you out to take possession of the desire he's placed within you. So it's important to declare the thing that you really deep down in want. Oh, I don't know. I just want the will of God. Stop with your over-spiritual uh, musings there on that. Do you know that sometimes, as a father, I want for my kids what they want? It's hard for you to imagine that actually God would want for you some of what you want for you. Not all the time, because, again, the murder thing comes into play. However... <laughs> As a parent, as a business owner, as somebody with a career, what do you want? What burns within you? What used to burn within you? So define your desire. And in defining that, give God some room to help massage this. Because, again, this is like an archaeological dig. It's not opening a fortune cookie that says, turn left and go two steps. It's discovering the treasure that's invested in the kingdom of heaven. Define your desire. Also, I would recommend you formalize your request. Write it down. Lord, in this season, I am searching for treasure that looks like X, Y, Z. 
Write it down to keep you on track. It puts the box around the framework of the picture you're looking for. Uh, people who don't define the parchment that they're going to paint on end up, you know, your three-year-old, it's on the floor, it's on the curtains, it's on the ceiling, it's in the closet. Give a square box for the picture to go on and focus in on that. Um, okay, number six. Wow, I'm going through these pretty quick. I feel good about this. <laughs> Feeling successful today. Uh, create and frequent atmospheres of faith. In other words, kick on the worship music during this season. Get into church. Step into the presence of God. Turn on a podcast. Whatever it is that stirs you spiritually. I'd say, especially for those of you who have the gift of tongues, you've stepped in, you've experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about praying in the Spirit to stir yourself up in the most holy faith. And I would challenge those of you who have yet to experience, you have the Holy Spirit as a believer, but that overflowing, that ability to pray in the Spirit in a different language will come upon you as you actually inquire of the Lord. Maybe you need to set a season aside to inquire of the Lord for the gift that he's promised. Oh, it's hard to get some amens on that one. Oh, I went to an altar call a couple times and nothing happened. The fortune cookie is non-existent. But the archaeological dig is. Paul said, I would that you would all speak in tongues. Why? Because there's a value there that while in seeking God, while it's hard to formulate the English words to even convey my heart to God, Praying in his spirit allows God's spirit to speak through me and direct me in ways that build me up in the faith, that affirm and encourage me and align me with heaven in a way that the frequency is dialed into the .00009 level of where the frequency is. That's the intention of praying in the spirit. It has nothing to do with praying in, in tongues in church. That's a different topic. Okay, so the Bible talks about that. Um, Okay, so I would also recommend that you fast. Not fast. God, give me your answers. God, I'm starving. Oh, my pain deserves a reward of answers. How many of you have fasted that way? I really want something from God. I want that girl to like me. I'm not going to eat until God makes her to like me. Good luck with that. Good luck with fasting to cause any human being to do the thing that you want them to do. Because in prayer, God can do all things, but he doesn't force people to do anything. And so you could be great faith and not make people do what you want them to do. Your fasting is all about you getting in tune with God on the frequency, and it's about you positioning yourself in a way to hear from God. It's deafening the noise. It's turning off all the, ah, and it's allowing that breath of God that's a whisper so often to come your way. And so fasting can come in all sorts of forms. It can uh, be, say, if you set aside a month, maybe every Wednesday and every Friday, and maybe Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you're going to skip lunch, you're going to go into your prayer closet, you're going to pray. Or maybe during that month, you're going to fast three days and then eat for four. Or maybe it's you're not going to watch any TV, or, or this would just be a good fast. There's a web right there. Anybody see that? Sorry for those of you who can't see that. Squirrel! Ah! Um, <laughs> um, fasting... If, if you, you could set aside like um, anything that's a distraction, maybe I'm not going to watch TV in the evenings. Maybe it, it doesn't have to necessarily be painful. It allows you to dial in. And I've found that usually my pursuit is about a month long, and it includes some setting aside of like social media. Listen, go dark for 30 days. It'll be, it'll be the best 30 days of your life. You'll discover you have all sorts of time. Now, I don't have a problem with social media. I think it has very valuable use, but when you're inquiring of the Lord, it can definitely be a distraction. Amen? Amen? Um, 
So you're, you're fasting for clarity, for provision. God to show up, to align you, and unlock the things that you need to take the next step. Because once you discover the next step, you're going to need God to provide, right? You're going to need, you're going to need things unlocked that you can't unlock on your own. And that, that, that fasting is trusting God, maybe for a meal or for the quietness or trusting God, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do whatever that brings me enjoyment, but I'm going to find my enjoyment in you. And it's actually fasting becomes, believe it or not, it's like weightlifting, which as you know, I do quite a bit. And so the bicep of faith is built up by going without so that as you come out of your fast, you've got the strength to push things like peace be still. Right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is so important. Oh, you of little faith. Doesn't mean you don't have any faith. But Jesus rebuked his disciples because you do have the ability on your own to increase your faith. The disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. And when he, he went on to show them how they could increase their own faith by engaging it. And part of it's fasting. How am I doing on time here? 10.30? I got a couple more minutes that I can go, okay? Is this okay? Okay. Uh, do some research. We call it shaking the trees here at the church. If anybody's been around me in leadership, that's what we call it. It's like, okay, I know there's fruit somewhere. I know God's got something for us. Is it in this tree? Nope. Is it in this tree? Nope. Is it in this tree? Listen, after a while of digging in the field where you know the treasure is, you will discover where the treasure is. It's unlikely in the kingdom of God to stick your shovel down into the dirt the first time and discover all that God has for you. You need to try a few ministries before you find your ministry. So research, listen to scripture, talk to people, read books, listen to podcasts, read the Bible, asking the question, God, what do you have? What do you want to do? Okay. And you'll find that there'll be some apples of gold that begin to fall out of those trees. Engage in daily spiritual discussions with those people that you've already partnered with. Have the conversation regularly. Don't wait 30 days. Hey, when it's all over, we'll come back and figure out what we've come up with. I'd recommend that you have a conversation every night with your spouse. Have a conversation regularly with your spiritual leaders or your friends. Hey, I've moved this far, or I discovered this, or I found this first. And if they're praying for you, they're also going to have a few nuggets for you. And, and what's going to happen is, like, you're stuck back here, and you're not sure what direction. It's going to feel like wandering a little bit like this. You're kind of making your way, but over that period of time of, of, of inquiring of the Lord... You're going to find that if you stand back and look at your steps that look like they're all over the place, there's actually a gaining trajectory and a gaining momentum that's going to come out. You're digging it out. Let me especially say this. Number 10, declare God's revelation for you. In other words, as you're in the season, God, you are good. You want to reveal your truth to me. Again, the success of the season a lot of times is set by the the course is set by the words of your mouth. Oh, God's never going to show me anything. Oh, my God, I don't even know how to pray. I'm so stupid. I'm such a moron. I screw up everything. I can never hear from God. I can't get a word from God. And you proclaim that stuff over your inquiry, and you actually poison the water in your well. But you need to stand up and say, God is a revealer of mysteries. God is good. He said, ask, and you will I'll answer. Seek and you will find. You know, there's this, uh, a couple of scriptures I'm going to read to you, but let me tell you a quick story that I just heard recently uh, from a speaker named Rex Crane. 
He's talking about a man is documented in, uh, in some of the Discovery uh, TV shows. And uh, the man Mel Fisher was a, basically a treasure hunter. Uh, back in the 60s, he opened a dive shop. But in the process of diving, he became really intrigued with finding missing treasure. And as he owned the business, he would dedicate the, uh, all of his proceeds to going out on these ventures to find sunken treasures. And he, uh, at one point <laughs> in the 60s, him and his friends and family, they committed to one year with no pay just to search for sunken Spanish galleons. Crazy quest, but they were impassioned with it. To find that elusive thing they knew existed but could not find yet. And in the process of that one year, um, on day three, oh man, I just lost my notes. Sorry about that. I just swiped to the right and went back to last week. Do you want to hear that now? now you probably want to hear the rest of this story, right? Um, in that one year, they swept 120,000 miles with a magnetometer. And on day 360, not 360, one, two, three, or four, or five, and not day one, day 360, they discovered $50,000 worth of gold doubloons buried in the sea floor. Now, certainly that wasn't enough to pay six people for a year, but it stirred something within them that they were able to discover treasure. And they began searching for this, uh, this special ship that had sunk called the Atosha in the upper Florida Keys. Based on some research they had been doing, hard to understand script from history and some maps, but they focused on the Florida Keys looking to discover the Atosha. The Atosha had been bound for Spain, and it sunk in 1622 as part of an armada bringing all of this wealth to Spain for the wars that were taking place there. And on this day when this boat set out and these other boats, there was a huge hurricane, and many of the ships sunk with great wealth, over 500 deaths, and this one boat sunk with 47 tons of gold and silver. It was in the archives. And they were trying to read this script and trying to figure out where is it at. Well, five years later, while searching, tragedy struck this team. Uh, Mr. Fisher's son and his wife and another diver died in a capsized ship. It was devastating. They were undone. They weren't sure, what are we going to do? Should we give up? And in the process, as the story goes, there was a researcher in Seville, who discovered some new scripting, some new instructions, some new discussions back and forth between the nations and helped dial into a new map, discovering that where they were actually searching was 100 miles off from where they were, and the group made the decision to shift over and begin searching still. They came together, and while they mourned the death of the sun, they also allowed it to be their inspiration to continue looking. Five, uh, ten years later... Um, July 1985, they discovered some barrel hoops sticking out of the seafloor. In the process of digging everything up, there were some uh, 250,000 artifacts and a haul of a half a billion dollars they discovered on the seafloor. Florida government and the federal government wanted to claim the treasure, and our good friend Mel Fisher took it all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. The discovery came on the 10-year mark of the lost family. Now, let me rewind, though, to the weeks after the loss. These cu this couple who were not believers, who were not Christians, Mel's wife looked at him in their lowest point and said, we 
need to go to church. It's like, we don't need to go to church. We are not church people. She said, life has never been this low. Let's go to church. So they wandered into a mobile church in Florida, made their way into the lobby, and there were some donuts being served. And while standing there awkwardly, a man came over and greeted and began to ask the question that you don't want to hear when things aren't going well. So what do you do for a living? And Mel standing there thought to himself, yeah, what the blank am I doing? My life has never been so low. I'm a treasure hunter, but I am failing miserably. I've lost friends and family, and I'm destitute practically. But he decided to go ahead and share, and he shared with a man that he was looking for this sunken ship, and he had just lost family, and they had decided to come to church and really didn't know what church was about. And standing there at that moment, then Mel said, and what do you do for a living? The man said, well, as a matter of fact, I work for the University of Florida, and my specialty is ancient script and map reading. And as the Discovery Channel reported that there was a discovery in Seville uncovering some new dialogue between the governments and the sailing orders, it was actually the man in the lobby of the church who served the donuts who got on a plane and went to Seville, unearthed the dialogues, downloaded directions from heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And helped this family dial into a quest because they knew there was a treasure. And God, as scripture teaches us, is the revealer of secrets, not just the secrets to where ships are crashed, but to where your next steps should be. And they'll be congruent with the last things he said, but they will help you to keep moving forward. Stand with me. Let me read a couple of verses over you, and we're going to pray. Let me read a famous verse that all of you could quote, maybe a little different version, but you likely don't read the verses after, but you need to. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, right? God's got good plans for you. We love to quote that scripture, but it's like a treasure that you will never discover. You may know exists, but you may never discover if you don't live out the following two verses. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me, and you will find me. What do you mean you will seek me? What are you seeking me for? Well, if you got plans, I need to know what they are. If you got good things for me, God, I need to figure out what they are. You're not just going to back up the truck, beep, 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 and dump them in my driveway of life. They're so often grabbed in the kingdom because the kingdom principle is if you seek, you will find. You'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Read this last line with me. It's so encouraging. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God's saying, I'm going to show you this stuff. Let me read you a final verse. I love this. Uh, it comes out of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven, or the Christian life, let me say it another way, experiencing all the good things God has for you in your lifetime as a believer, experiencing that is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found. He found it, covered it up, that in his joy he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. That's a real short way of saying he inquired of the Lord, performed an archaeological dig, captured the thing that God had for him and then pulled it into his life. Amen. 
you are a seeker of the Lord. I'm looking at people who are either in the process or dialed in and know how to seek God for their lives, to seek God for their friends, to seek answers from heaven, to experience a word from the Lord, a church that's able to press in beyond circumstance and say, we know what God has for us. We're going to go after it. And some of this is going to be like walking on water, but God is the one who teaches us to walk on water, right? And so we inquire of the Lord and we get the direction that we have. Amen. Can I pray for you? Before I do, anybody here, you, you're in a season where you need to hear some instruction from God? Amen? You need the fresh touch from God? Need direction about your business, your career, about a possession you're trying to sell or buy? You need his input so that you know that this next step that you take is ordered of the Lord. Not just, God bless the step I've decided to take. How many times have you prayed that when you've been at a used car lot and realize that oh, God didn't have nothing to do with that more times than I care to share it said you dug it out and God spoke and it came easy God's going to help you do that Father I pray over your people this morning here and at home God you've got good direction you've got good answers some you're going to give it through dreams and some you're going to breathe through visions some you're going to deliver a prophetic word but Father these people are not limited to that. These are people who seek your face and call out on you. Lord, we commit ourselves throughout our lives to inquire of the Lord, to hear from the Lord, to seek your face. God, to press in and take those 10 plus examples of how to dial in and to be able to find the treasure buried in the field. God, we are treasure hunters hunting the good treasure that you've sent your son for so that our lives could grab all that he died for. So, Father, I thank you in this moment. Come on, lift up your voice. I thank you in this moment. Come on, declare his word over your life. God, you got good things for me. God, you're going to reveal your good things to my life. God, you've got fresh direction. You've got a fresh touch. God, you've got fresh new words to, to reaffirm over my life. And God, I repent right now. There's some things you told me to do that I've stopped doing, and I can't figure out why I don't have clarity. It's because I abandoned the map that you already gave me. I repent and I grab that map and I start doing the things that led to better life and better treasure. God, I lean forward expecting the wind to come into my sails as I inquire of you. God, I am a seeker of your face. I'm a finder of the good things of God. And I thank you this morning that this is accessible. You want me to have it. You've provided for it. And I will overcome. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And amen. Is that good? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.